We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. First pick in the 1991 NBA draft, the Charlotte Hornets select Larry Johnson from University of I'm not supposed to be here, man. A lot of people from where I'm from, well, don't, don't make me. Not even gonna try to pretend like I'm excited to be here right now. I'm sure like most of you, but it is myself and Brian Geisinger. Wow, what a loss for the Hornets uh, going in in double overtime going into the All Star break. Miami wins 111 to 107 again. It did take two overtimes. We'll get there in a second. Um, a few things real quick. Don't forget to rate and review on Spotify and on Apple. As always, we really appreciate that. And I know we've been getting some great reviews recently. And also, um, Richie dropped a survey recently about the podcast. If you have any feedback, please give that to us. We got some really good feedback, some really good recommendations, um, some that I think we're going to try to uh, take action on sooner rather than later. So the survey will be in the episode notes. Um, so if you haven't filled that out yet, please go and do that. Um, I'm going to stop there and I'm going to throw it to BG. And yeah, I, I'll, be, I'll be honest, BG, I'm, a, I'm in a little bit of a loss for words. I'm certainly disheartened as I know most fans are. I mean, where, where do we start here? I don't know. Yeah. Well, first off, I mean, I'm glad we are doing this, uh, this recording after a historical night, the first double overtime game in the history of the NBA, where one team actually had one more point after 53 minutes than the other team. So at least, at least look, history happened tonight. And, uh, and I mean, just hats off, you know, at once again to the NBA and the, and the officials, uh, they, they kill it. They, they really, they do a good job. There, there isn't like one of these kinds of things that happens once a week that makes you just, throw up your hands and question everything you know about the game of basketball. But yeah. Hey, other than that, wonderful to be a part of a uh, historical night here. Yeah. Tough game. It felt like, uh, you know, you're getting Miami without Tyler hero who certainly Miami could have used his, his handle and his playmaking and his wiggle at times in this game. 
um, felt like until the double overtime game, until the second overtime, when they really leaned on the two-man game with Lowry and Jimmy Butler and really trying to get LaMelo Ball before he fouled out or Terry Rozier or Montrose Harrell into the action with PJ Washington guarding Lowry on the ball. And, and PJ saw a lot of Kyle Lowry in this game. That wasn't just down the stretch. He was often used as a, a point of attack guy for Charlotte. So showing off some more of that defensive versatility uh, from PJ that we've seen at times this season. But the point I was trying to make, you really saw Miami just very reliant on their split game, the the DHO game, the two-man action, saw a lot of that. Duncan Robinson, six three-pointers tonight, was six of 13 shooting from deep. That was all, um, all, all, every field goal attempt he took tonight was from beyond the arc. And six is how many times he flopped tonight, too, uh, in this game. Uh, it's it just side note, it's actually insane that the Heat have twice as many charges drawn as the next closest team in the NBA. Like, they're just a complete statistical outlier in that. And, uh, I mean, I guess they found, like, they've got the personnel to do it, but it does sort of seem like their, their coaching staff or their analytics department or someone has found some type of you know, inefficiency, and they're really just going, they're really going after it. We'll see how that works in the playoffs. Um, that'll be something to monitor as those games tend to be officiated differently. Uh, but yeah, you get Miami on a night where Jimmy Butler is, you know, no Tyler hero. Jimmy Butler has, you know, an off night shooting to say the least just five to 24, um, you know, really not his best game only took four free throws. So really not Jimmy's best, but, uh, you know, I, I feel bad for the Hornets. They, um, they competed. They, you know, thought they really left it out there tonight. Montrose Harold you know, kind of beaten up uh, at various times, caught an elbow from Amir, you're at seven, roughed up underneath the basket a few times by all of Miami's powerful front court guys. And then the last thing I'll say, and I've got, I've got plenty of stuff to, to get into on this game, but the last thing I'll mention here at the jump before I throw it back to you, Spencer, would be I come away with this every time after watching Miami play but Adebayo, bam, in the middle of the court defensively is just such a wrecker. It's like everything you want to do, it's just like the initial action, sorry, it's just not there. Like that initial screen, the initial switch you want. Um, yeah, I thought the Hornets had some good stuff in one of the overtime games where they, were, they just kept going after Duncan Robinson. They were doing anything they could to get him in the action. Um, and, and he's the target out there, you know, when he's playing with Lowry and, and PJ Tucker and, and Bam and Jimmy, obviously he's the guy to go after. Not like he's like a, a terrible defender or anything, but he's certainly the weakest link. And, uh, but without a bio, it's just, he just eats everything up in the middle, man. Protect the rim when he's, when he's low man or when he's weak side, he had an incredible block on a LaMelo like runner tonight. Like, I don't even know how he got, I think it was like, it looked like a goaltend. I actually think it was like legit. I, mean, I, I don't know how, but he, he somehow got that one. But just his ability to switch and just blow up everything you're trying to do. Um, he's a hell of a defender. Still like, still kind of figuring it out with some stuff offensively. But uh, but boy, his his defense in the middle at at that hybrid center position is just something else. And um, I felt this way after the Hornets played the Heat a couple of weeks ago. Same thing. It's just like. 
it, your offense, it just gets pushed into a phone booth because Bam just gobbles everything up in the middle of the court. Yeah, he sure does. And, you know, Miami, when they get into that switching defensive scheme, which they will in leverage situations, and they can do it so effectively because of Bam and because of the reasons you pointed out, you know, one one thought I had over and over and over again tonight was, um, is Terry Rozier going to – is he is he here? Where, where's Terry Rozier? Is he, is yeah. he going to enter this game? Is he going to show up? Like, it was Miles Bridges and it was, it was LaMelo Ball – and you'd get a screen, Miami would switch it, and then the action just ended. I mean, especially late in the game, it's like I, I really felt as if Miles Bridges – and he had an awesome game. And by the way, he played 50 minutes in this game. 50 minutes. Yeah. He was overtaxed, though, as a primary option uh, late in the game against a team like Miami, I thought. And I thought it really showed up. And, and and that's in a game where he was really good too, right? He was ten to twenty one. He scored twenty nine points. He had eleven rebounds. I mean, Bridges was great. He made a lot of big shots, but he he was just overtaxed. And I thought, yeah. you know, back to your point about Miami, you know, switching and Bam being the linchpin of of everything they may ha- make happen defensively. Like Rozier had to be that other guy that can put the ball on the floor, get into the paint, and make things happen that was going to free Charlotte in this game. And he just never showed up. And, it, and it's not like he was missing shots. Like Ro- Rozier, he only took nine shots tonight. Yeah. You know, and, and that was in a double overtime game. Like that is to me, per, like I, that's unacceptable for Terry Rozier on this team. He has got to be a more central theme uh, of these kind of games offensively for the Hornets. And I, I really thought, he was a, he, he was the biggest disappointment for Charlotte tonight. And look, neither team was good offensively. It was I mean, we, it took us yeah. <laughs> two overtimes to get to 111 <laughs> points, right? In the NBA. Yeah. So, it's not like uh, it's not like anybody was that great, but yeah, you bring it up um you know, you bring up Adebayo and how good he is defensively and how he blows everything up. And I just thought the one guy that could have just been a pressure release for Charlotte Rozier didn't show up tonight. Um, yeah, I think that's what I'm just real quickly stepping about yeah. Rozier. Then you keep going. Great point. I know he sat for a little bit at some point. Like, you know, JB really tightened the rotation up late in this game. But during parts of the overtimes or down the stretch in the, down the, stretch in the fourth quarter, it's all blending together. Brago sat Rozier for a while. But to your point, it's like, yeah, Terry's not a big rim pressure guy. We know that. Um, and obviously there are some concerns defensively, but like he helps you loosen up the defense. This is what you're getting at and create these little micro advantages for you to, to, to use, to crack into the defense with that, with the movement shooting and him slipping screens and, and, and relocating into space. And, um, and then, you know, getting into second side actions and like with how much my, with what Adebayo was taking away in the middle yeah, and I, and I do think Charlotte's play calling got. I'll have to go back and rewatch the tape. Uh, it, it might maybe Miami switching complicates this to an extent, but it felt like everything became two man action in the middle of the court. You know what I mean? Like some post ups for Harrell at, at stretches, but uh, but uh, you know there was there wasn't even some of the normal actions we're used to seeing with with Rozier. And I know some of that stuff goes away in, in crunch time, but you could even see Miami's. They're still. Miami's still cycling through all this stuff in their playbook, you know? Um, so I thought that was a little disappointing as well. Good point. I think we have a speaker here. Um, Matt asks, at 
G Burrow, Matt on Twitter. Matt, you're on. What's up? Hey, guys. What's going on? Uh, last two games lost because we missed the clutch free throw. <laughs> this is another – it's easy to look, be a fan and see, you know, you can't make free throws. I mean, this is the ultimate pressure situations. Uh, you know, Bridges the last game and then uh, uh, Harrell. I mean, yeah. he was huge. Without Harrell or Bridges in this game, I mean, they wouldn't have had a chance. But going back to that two-pointer that was called a three-pointer by Lowry, why wasn't that reviewed? I don't, I don't understand the rules on that. I, 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 yeah, I don't, I, I still don't know. I, I'm trying. You know, I've said for a long time I don't like to take things out on officials, but I feel like I've been retracting that 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 philosophy a lot this season. I'm so sick and tired of officials in this league. Seriously, I am right now. I don't know. But I mean I I, I just I've never seen it like because there was a never a dead ball in between when Lowry's foot was clearly over the line, the TV crew buzzes in to Eric and uh, to Eric and Dell and are like, "Oh yeah, that's definitely gonna be a two. And j- so, so the 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 only explanation to me is that like a minute and a half or two minutes or whatever it was passed, and like there's some phantom like yeah. time <laughs> law where like, well, now we can't back and go, we can't go back and review it. Like, I, I just feel like this kind of stuff happens in the NBA so often and it's the highest level of basketball and they have every ounce of technology they can possibly yeah, have yes, to make sure it does. Yes. Like I do not understand any of it. And I'm sick and tired of the two minute report too. Like, yeah, I don't it's, need use, two it's minute useless. Report. like it's it, useless. It's like, so why do we it's have useless? Like, yeah. You know? It's like either don't review anything, which at this point I'd probably rather have or get absolutely everything right. But it's like yeah. we have review and we still don't get these things right. And this was the difference tonight between a win and a loss. And that kind of stuff to me is just like inexcusable. I guess and my thing is too, is like even if they do, like even if eventually, like let's say they're, when there is the first stoppage in play, they do go in and change the, uh, they change the score, which they didn't. There's still this, it's an overtime game and there are just like possession after possession where it's a one, it's either a tie game or a one point game. That is a huge, I mean, Dell and Eric were saying this on the broadcast that has a massive impact on how you're going to play. And like, I mean, just to be clear too, like as an aside, like the NBA has gotten in bed with gambling, right? The last couple of years, right? I mean, there, there's, this is big uh, money falls from the sky for the NBA because of what they do with gambling and and how they're going to turn some of these arenas into casinos, at least in states where, where gambling is legal. You see the ads everywhere. If you watch, you know, like a, a Denver game or, or a Pacers game or whatever for, for, for that to be the case. And for just millions of dollars to be waged on these games, probably over the course of the season, it's, it's maybe it's even in the billion. I, I don't know. It's, a, it's an ungodly amount of money. But then for but then for this to be a thing, right? Where like outcomes are being determined by rules that just literally no one knows about, right? Or just like very few people, other than li- just the three referees at the game, maybe. Like it's it's wild, and it, it, it surprises me that the NBA would like allow stuff like that to fly um, from from like an integrity of the game standpoint. Like it's it's kind of a joke, so. 
Um, yeah. yeah, I don't, I don't know. Uh, we, we can talk about that more or whatever, but it's, it's really stupid. It's insane that they allow that to happen. And, uh, but you know, I'm sure the, uh, with James Rago, when he gets that two minute report tomorrow, I'm sure that's going to, he'll sleep well over the all-star break because, uh, the two minute report's going to say, Hey, we, we, we screwed that up very obviously. Uh, you know, we missed this call that had a huge, uh, you know, determination on the outcome of this game. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Another another speaker here. Um, let's see. At Cam H K Y. Cam, you are on. What's up? Hey guys. On the uh, on the walk back from the game. Are we uh, are we in the middle of a uh, complaining about refs or the Hornets? <laughs> I got both. <laughs> We're all over the place right now. Yeah, uh, that that was refs, yeah. but we can get back to complaining about the Hornets if, if you want to do that. <laughs> I'll start with uh, and Brian and I have talked about this a couple of times. Pat Riley, and I'll, I know the family put this Pat Riley bullcrap where you just foul every time and they can't possibly call everyone. It was just, it was on display as, as from what I could tell from my seat. Like when the Hornets would drive the lane, it was, you know, it, it was, it was a physical game as indicated by the, by the score. But I thought, you know, you guys talked about the, the, the Terry, like, that performance was just unacceptable for the second most expensive player on the team. Um, to, to, he just was not interested in attacking whomever was guarding him mm-hmm. from what I could tell. And then, you know, I, 
I think Melo had a had a fine game, but he he seemed to be afraid of the contact that he knew was coming at the rim as well and was trying to draw fouls instead of finishing or making a legitimate shot at the rim and perhaps getting fouled. You know, I, I this is a, a unfortunately a bit of a rant, but like the you know, PJ like PJ had a fine game, but if he's not gonna hit threes, he can't play the four. Um, and he didn't tonight. And Miles, bless his heart, played his at, played his butt off. He he can't be our our number one when we're playing a top four team in the league. Like we have to have it's got to be mellow. Like and he just he he wasn't it tonight. And then Terry, oh, it was just a fr- it was a frustrating game. Uh, they had the, the Heat had lineups on the floor with like Struess and whoever Vincent was and number twenty four. <laughs> I don't even know. I don't even know who those guys were. There is no – they are not good enough defensively to stop this Hornets team from, like, building some kind of lead that could give them more comfort than they had tonight. I, I, I thought that this was just a, a calamity of, of a game, like one that the Hornets definitely should have won. I will stop talking, stop venting, let you guys either move on or comment <laughs> on what I had. I, I apologize. I'm going to – thank you guys. Appreciate it. No, yeah, no, I mean, it, no, no, good comments, good feedback. Really appreciate you chiming in. I mean, a few things on that, and then I'm interested to hear what BG has to say. But I, I think that, so this is what Miami's going to do. And BG kind of, he touched to this earlier. Let's see how much this pull you underwater and rake you around every single screen and flop you know, every single time you drive down the lane and flop every time Kyle Lowry, you know, drives to the Like, let's see how successful this stuff is in the postseason. I think Miami's really good. And I think they have a chance to compete in the Eastern Conference because of the, I think, most of the things we've already talked about. I also think they have some bust potential because of the way they try to play and how dependent on some of that. And and our speaker just kind of touched on some of this. But – my second point is Charlotte needs more of these games. Um, you know, you mentioned Rozier and how he just didn't wasn't real interested in this style of play. I totally agree. I think he showed that tonight. It's not really the kind of player he is. He he needs freedom of movement. He needs he needs to catch and shoot with space. Physicality is not his kind of thing. I actually thought Lamelo did. Uh, step up to the challenge tonight. I, I, I think he was physical. Um, anyways, back to my original number two point. I, these are the kind of games Charlotte needs to learn to grind out. And Miami wasn't good tonight offensively. Charlotte wasn't good to, uh, like once again tonight, especially from behind the arc, you know, but had a chance to win. Charlotte needs more of these games. It's super disheartening that they came up short, and we can point to all kinds of different reasons that they came up short. But this is the style of play that Charlotte needs to be faced with more often if they want to take that next step. And, yeah, there are some players tonight that we can really point to and say not good enough. Um, But overall – now that I'm just talking myself through it, I'm, I'm kind of proud of the way this team stuck in there and almost pulled it out against a, a, a group of bullies, to, yeah. to put it frankly. Yeah, bull- bullies that also want to, like, tell on you to the teacher. Like, there's – there's <laughs> like, like, I agree with you. Miami's awesome. They could, they could totally win the Eastern Conference. Therefore, like, they could win the NBA title. They've got – I could not have more respect defensively 
for a guy like Adebayo, like I see if he's just like, he's the future of basketball and if, you know, in, in some way, shape or form, PJ Tucker's a Raleigh guy, uh, you know, G- Jimmy Butler's awesome, you know, so they've got like, there are some cool, likable guys on this roster and Eric Sprolster is like maybe the best basketball coach in the world right now. And like they play a style that is unique. Um, I mean, maybe Golden State kind of does some of that, some of the stuff offensively with some of the handoffs and split action, that type of stuff. But, you know, they're, they're creative and, and they, they, they do things differently. But there has to be some just like cognitive and emotional dissonance watching this team that like, you know, heat culture. It's all about uh, being in shape and being strong and, and being tough. And at the same point, on the other end of the court, like you've got Kyle Lowry, Duncan Robinson flopping, PJ Tucker whining to the refs. Like it's just, it, it is, uh, it's an interesting blend. And yeah, I think for the most part, Charlotte's guys, like obviously it was a brutal shooting night and in Miami's a very good defensive team. So they're going to push in some of those tough spots. But to what Spencer was just talking about, I thought LaMelo, Bridges in PJ Washington. This was maybe as aggressive as PJ's been all season, like in a, in a game. Like he had, he had a, they, they put the ball in his hands on a couple of pick and roll possessions as a ball handler. He got downhill with a fake handoff. Um, I thought he attacked closeouts. Like I thought there was some, and again, not like a great finishing game. PJ, oh, four from deep, uh, six of 11 on twos, couple free throw attempts, 14 rebounds, two assists, block steal. Um, but I just thought PJ's aggression was there. The point I'm trying to make is I do think those young guys, you know, the success wasn't there, but there wasn't any point in time where they like, they really like just completely took the foot off the pedal and stopped trying to go downhill, which is something that like could be easy to do. Like you're, you're one in seven in the month of February. Like the wheels are kind of falling off. All-star break is starts as soon as this game ends, you know, and you blew a lead and you're going up against an awesome team. That's filled with all these like big mean veteran players. And um, so I did that, that if you're going to take away any positive from this game, I think it's the fact that those guys, um, continue to get downhill. And I know we've got a speaker here, but the, the last thing I want to say, and it's before before Ethan gets in, um, and it's stating the obvious, but just because it hasn't been mentioned yet, um, this is a game that obviously, like, Gordon Hayward would have been really helpful. Like, just like any sort of, like, power player in the mid-range. Like, Bridges is, is strong as hell, and he's a great player. But Bridges scores from, like, two areas, you know? It's like, or two and a half, because it's like some short mid-range, but everything else, it's it's rim and threes. And, um, and so they just could have used one other person to create. And, like, you know, Terry's a, a good mid-range shooter too, but, Spencer, you mentioned this being a bad matchup and, and maybe the mentality not being there tonight. Um, just, you know, as a freedom of movement guy, and, and the, you know, Miami suffocates all of that. Um, and just Hayward as like the the guy that can stick a 18 foot jumper against tough defense is something they could have really, really, really used. And um, you know we'll see going forward. You know you don't want to get too far ahead, but you know that's something that Miles, while he's shown incredible growth offensively, hasn't really shown that aspect of his game yet, and has always looked a little clunky with like the mid range pull up kind of stuff. And, um, you know, LaMelo's just like, you know, that's just not really in his in his bag yet either. Like, he's almost better shooting, like, runners and floaters from that range. And he is, like, sort of, like, 
you know, shooting fadeaway jumpers and, you know, you know, go like jumping over the top of defense and taking jumpers like that. So as far as team building goes, you know, that's probably something to, uh, to, to factor in, but um, I, I've rambled here for a little bit. So Ethan Wagner, Ethan at Ethan Wagner, one on Twitter. We appreciate the patience and um, yeah, go ahead and get on in here, man. Any thoughts on the, the Hornets heat game tonight? Man, I had flashbacks to the uh, that Cavalier game with the refereeing at the end. I don't know. I thought like in the fourth quarter, like kind of like, you know, throughout the whole game, but mainly in the fourth quarter, like when guys like uh, Kelly and uh, Miles would like drive to the hoop and try to draw a foul and lay it up, like there'd be clear contact, but the refs weren't calling it. And I felt like that was kind of like keeping them from driving. Like, you know, there at the very end, they kind of fell for the jumpers and the outside shots. And I just thought, you know, they're getting away with that kind of stuff, but you can't even like breathe near Kyle Lowry without drawing a foul on him. So I don't know. This is frustrating time. Like, that's all I wanted to say. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I think you speak, I think you speak for the masses, um, Ethan. Yeah. I mean, again, that's what the heat do, right? Like they, they, they want to pull you underwater. They want to put the refs in every single leverage situation they can. Um, you know, if you watch college basketball, you know, this season has been interesting, uh, maybe to say the least, uh, off the ball, how the officiating is pretty much non-existent watching Miami tonight. It, it, it <laughs> they just look you can slice it up any way you want but it's just they force this style on the officials and they get away with it more often yeah. because they do it more consistently than anyone else and and i don't know who made this it might have been a guest speaker it might have been ubg but they they just you can't call everything right like yeah. you, you just can't and, and 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 they they for they force the officials say it's 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 frustrating i, I don't want to go on and on about the officiating but it is what it is yeah, the one of the guest speakers, Cam, mentioned that earlier, and, and that's something he and I had actually spoken about that privately a couple of weeks ago after the uh, the Duke Clemson game that uh, I was I was there for, and then like I mean Brad Brunell, Clemson's not even like a good defense this season, but they were so physical in that game at Cameron, and just like the amount the lack of freedom of movement, just the way they were jamming cutters. Um, and so Cam and I were talking after the game. We we're just like, you know, Brunel pretty clearly had them coached up on that. Look, the refs are not going to call 87 fouls on us tonight. So we're just going to do this. Like, you know, like Duke's got way more talent than us. So like, you know, you know, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to try to level the playing field a little bit. And because of that, we got into the conversation about, uh, you know, Pat Riley sort of bringing that uh, to an extent to the NBA and, um, you know, this, the, the heat are very much a, a vision of Pat Riley, which is why it's no surprise that they're very, very good. But, um, you know, there are certain elements that a, a team like that is, is going to have. And, and this is certainly one of them. And like we've seen it in other sports, Pete Carroll and the Seahawks used to do this too, right? It's like, you can't call, you know, Legion of boom or whatever. You can't call pass interference every time. Right. And so we're going to, we're going to, we're gonna we're gonna be twenty percent more physical than any other defense out here, and um, and you know we're gonna get called for this this and that a little bit more, but for the most part, that delta between 
uh, you know, our increase in aggression and the slight increase in like calls that get blown on us, that gap is like really what's going to be the, one of the, our, our like, you know, competitive advantages that we have. Um, so yeah, tough game, tough loss for the Hornets would have been a nice one to have that. And, um, yeah, man, Duncan Robinson, I thought he was just huge tonight. Like what he does, uh, like just to flip it back to X and O's real quickly, just like what Robinson does for that offense in the half court, the, the handoffs, the split game, the relocation stuff. He had a couple threes after like offensive rebound tap outs tonight that were just huge, including one that cut Charlotte's lead from 14 to 11 during regulation. And it was like, Oh man, here they come. And I think Butler or Lowry scored on the next possession, cut into single figures. And all of a sudden it just becomes this, this movie that you've seen with the Hornets so many times the last couple of years, just like, you know, here comes the monster, you know, <laughs> at the end of the horror movie to come run them down. And, uh, yeah, you know, it, uh, uh, invariably, it, you know, it happens. And, uh, tonight was no different. So, um, frustrating game. I- anything else you want to get in on here, Spencer, as far as stuff you noticed, anything the Hornets did that you liked? I feel like we've, we've, uh, I feel like we've touched on some positives here, but we've also obviously been, pretty negative anything 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 good we have to mention anything you thought was interesting in this game yeah i wanted to end on one big positive but just a few like quick bullet points we don't have to talk about these but i just found them yeah. really funny uh a game high plus 14 plus minus tonight james book night in 17 minutes if it, right. plus 14 in seven minutes james book night was zero for zero from the floor with zero points um, two assists <laughs> and one turnover, but but a, but a team high plus fourteen in seven minutes. That might be one of the most hilarious uh, plus minus stats in the NBA this season. No, but seriously, the big positive I want to talk about: Montrez Harrell, twenty four points, nine for sixteen from the floor, forty three minutes tonight. Uh, again, double overtime game. I think he played all ten minutes of both overtime, so that skews it a little bit. But eight rebounds. Miles uh, Mason Plumley, on the other hand, only 14 minutes. Now, obviously, Bam Adebayo is the center for uh, for Miami. So, you know, you're seven. We saw a little bit of him tonight. But so that's going to get Montrez more minutes. You don't have this more traditional bruising center. But I do think the pendulum is starting to swing. Um, you know, Harrell's going to close games uh, at center for this team when Joel Embiid or name your other bruising, bruising center is not on the other uh, wearing the other jersey. Um, Harrell's been really, really good, BG, uh, in Charlotte so far. His defense flyabilities are – they jump off the page at you. They have his whole career. We don't have to litigate those. But he has instantly improved this team at the five. We can touch on who's playing four next to him and how much <laughs> bigger the Hornets are playing uh, more often, I think that's probably a product of the injuries. McDaniel's, Martin, Hayward being out, unless hey, we added another center. Now we're going to start playing bigger at the five and the four more often. But the point remains: Harold's been really good in Charlotte, and I don't. Like, I know the win loss record doesn't follow that, um, but he he is he's doing some things. This offense just does ha, has not had really yeah. not only this season, but for the past 
number of seasons. And yeah. I really, really hope that after the all-star break, the Hornets are able to, you know, harvest more of those benefits in terms of, of, of wins because I've been really impressed with him. Yeah. We talked about this on the pod, uh, the, the day of the, the, the trade, the, the deadline pod we did a week ago last Thursday. And, um, the main thing that we, one of the main things we highlighted in terms of like on court, what does Harold mean? It is the, the pressure point he gives you for the rim and you can just see it in the pick and roll. Um, you know, I would say since of the last like, you know, decade or so, Cody Zeller was like the best center pick and roll partner the Hornets have had. And he was good and he could really do some stuff. But like it, even Cody wasn't the kind of like catch and finish guy that, that Harrell is, you know, and I think not just tonight, but over these four games, what they've been able to do by just having him get downhill, even if it isn't LaMelo scoring out of the pick and roll or Harold catching and finishing the secondary stuff that they're getting because they're forcing defenses on the backside to have to, to tag and move around a little bit. It's open. It's loosening up stuff. And, um, and so, yeah, just like, look, it, this has been self-evident since they got LaMelo, like they needed to get a pick and roll five for him to partner with. Right. And like, Harold is not the long-term solution to that by any stretch. Like, you know, he may just have like 20 more games left in a Hornets uniform, uh, give or take, but um, long-term, it just like further reinforces that point. Just like, you know, you've been asking him to play pick and roll with, look, look, Mason Plumlee, I think on this pod, we try to be favorable about him and, and talk about some of the good stuff that he, that he can do. But, uh, but, you know, he's not a real threat offensively unless he's literally catching a lob. And, uh, and then some of the other centers that, you know, LaMelo's played with, it's, you know, it's Bismack Biombo and, and Nick Richards. Like, and, and Nick Richards is, like, a, a, maybe going to be, like, a, a rotation piece, maybe. Um, but, I mean, you know, these are not, like, the serious, like, threats that you want. You know, roll into the rim at the five. Miles has been their best dive guy. Um and, you know, it's not really probably like where he's best suited offensively. And then the last thing I wanted to bring up, uh, Richie, you and Lee spoke about JT Thor um, on the pod. You guys reported earlier this week. Didn't think there was anything too crazy. JT Thor did tonight, played 15 minutes, um, some in the first half, some in the second half. One of three shooting, hit a, hit a nice three. Um off of, you know, they ran double drag, pick and roll. And uh, for LaMelo, he kicks it to Bridges in the corner. Bridges whips an extra pass. JT Thor, uh, catch and shoot three right over the top of P.J. Tucker. And uh, a couple boards, a couple assists. I just thought JT Thor, like, man, he just looked like he belonged out there. Like, once again, like, even against the Heat and all of their athleticism and their size, um, I don't know, JT, I mean, obviously you're not going to have him out there for, like, you know, crunch time and stuff, but... Just thought JT did some stuff um, uh, defensively and uh, keeps just, you know, balancing out the offense. Not like a great game, but just keeps seeing little bits and pieces from JT Thor um, that, that that do – I think they're more than just like flashes. Like they, they seem um, – I think like there's something real there, and that's exciting. It would be big for the for them uh, if, if if JT continues to to develop like this. And Richie and I did a, a big like a deep dive scouting pod on on Thor before the Hornets drafted him. 
um, that's worth revisiting. And we talked about his shot a lot on that pod and it, it looks, it looks good. That's, that's really important. Um, but I thought JT, I thought JT, you know, held, held his own tonight, which was, uh, which again was good. And we, I also brought up, uh, we obviously they missed Hayward tonight, but certainly this is a game where like, man, Cody Martin and Jalen McDaniels, like once again, you just could have used some wingy guys that could switch around and, and, you know, not have to have Bridges and PJ Washington be your point of attack guys on, you know, Lowry and Jimmy Butler, you know, you know, it would have been nice to have had, had some of your like a one wing defenders out there. And, but Hey, you know, the Miami was missing some key guys too. So it's how it goes at this time of the year. But any, did you, any real quickly, did you have any thoughts on Thor tonight? Did you like what he did? I know it wasn't yeah, no, I mean, I, too much, but you know, I, I'm I'm very excited about Thor next year. I mean, we'll see what happens with like Uber's non guarantee and you know, there's gonna be some minutes to shuffle up next year for sure. So I, I'm really excited about JT Thor. I think it's obvious that he belongs in the league. His length, I mean, it was nice to see him hit that shot. I think Dell actually made the made the point on the call tonight. It's like PJ Tucker didn't look like like Thor kind of caught it. And then he like kind yeah. of slightly hesitated. And then he let it go real quickly. And yeah. Tucker was like, what the hell? I, I didn't think you were going to shoot that. But it's yeah. like, it doesn't really matter because Thor is going to shoot it over anybody anyways. Um, yeah. I, I, I think JT Thor is like a super, super intriguing prospect. We'll see what happens. Like not a lot of skill there yet, obviously, but a ton of raw potential, raw talent, raw physical tools. So um, before we go real quickly, though, I hope he's still in here. Alex Golden from Setting the Pace podcast. Um, I think I think he's worthy of the shout out. Alex Golden um, and Rick Carlisle really gave us the scoop. But Alex, I guess <laughs> on Twitter, gave us the scoop that um, Tristan Thompson will be playing for the Chicago Bulls after the, the Indiana Pacers <laughs> wave him. And then he got, if I'm not mistaken, Alex, if you're in here, just go ahead and uh, unmute. Why don't you go ahead and come in and tell us a quick story? Because I'm pretty sure you got a retweet from Woj, if I'm not mistaken. Um, if you're able to, to jump in, please come in. If not, no problem. But figured since you were in the room, might as well give you a shout out because that's pretty cool. Oh, he's on mute. You're on mute, Alex. There Get off mute. Come on. Can you hear me? There, there he is. Now? There he is. All right. Tell us a story. So you got the scoop. Yeah. How'd you get it? What happened? Woj retweeted you. Tell us about it all. <laughs> yeah. So funny story. I was actually watching the live stream on uh, on my TV, and you know it's like a minute behind, right, from what people are tweeting. So I started seeing all this stuff from all the reporters tweeting. So I'm literally just at home watching the post game press conference. So I just recorded it on my phone and uh, shared it to Twitter just for context purposes. All of a sudden, I put my phone on the charger. Really, I quit looking at it like five minutes later, and I started getting all these texts from my friends. They're like, hey, did you see Woj and Bobby Marks and Mark Steinar retweeted this? I'm like, what? So <laughs> it was pretty wild. <laughs> but, uh, you know, who would have thought that uh, a little clip about Tristan Thompson going to Chicago and being waived would get retweeted by Woj from my account? But uh, it's still hard to believe that Tristan Thompson actually played four games with the Pacers. So, <laughs> uh, you know, it's uh, it's been a it's been a weird last week, but it was uh, it was pretty cool though. 
No, that's super cool. I honestly, I, I was thinking today, funny enough, I was like, would I rather be a fan of the Indiana Pacers who just got Tyrese Halliburton is going to have a really good draft pick or a fan of the Charlotte Hornets who looked good two weeks ago, three weeks ago, but now are going to have once again, the 11th or 12th or 13th <laughs> pick. Like I think I'd rather have Halliburton and have a really high draft. pick. <laughs> it's funny how quickly this league changes, I guess. Yeah, no, it definitely is. And, man, you know, we've been talking for, you know, the last three years, all these Miles Turner trade rumors to Charlotte. And then it's just like the year I think they're finally going to do it, uh, he gets injured. And so it's funny because I've been listening to some of the, you know, guys talk, uh, Chad Buchanan and Kevin Pritchard, the front office there of the Pacers. And, you know, there was a lot of rumblings about Turner going to Dallas. And they talked about wanting to go out and get a guard that was, uh, you know, a young guard that and there's not a lot of those in the league today. So to me, I'm thinking, well, this makes so much sense right now. I think they were targeting in on Jalen Brunson for Miles Turner in a package deal like that because it's a Carlisle guy. But as soon as Turner went down at the injury and teams started calling and asking about Sabonis, uh, you know, I, I think the Kings wanted to give up Fox from everything we've heard, but it appears the Pacers really wanted Halliburton. And that's kind of like, wow, like I, I never thought Tyrese Halliburton would be available from Sacramento, but you know the fact that Indiana just came in there and finally got a franchise point guard for the next decade, uh, you know it's pretty. It's a pretty substantial move, and and, and then, like you said, having the draft pick this year, you know I I don't know what what team I'd rather be a fan of between the uh, the Hornets and the Pacers, but I guess we'll have to see what Miles Bridges thinks in free agency. <laughs> yeah, we'll see what the Hornets think too. To be honest with you, because uh, there's uh, there's not a lot of cap space teams out there, and I'll be honest, we'll go down this road more and more as we get closer. But uh, I'm getting a little worried about that price and whether or not I'd be willing to pay it. I mean, I'm pretty sure I'd pay Miles anything, but I don't know what anything is yet. So um, yeah, that's, yeah. Anyway. I mean, that's that's someone that makes sense for Indiana to me because the position of need number one, they have the cap space too. And you know you have you're going to have three guys on rookie contracts that they, they think will be part of their future there with Duarte, Halliburton, and uh, and the draft pick this year. So I mean, looking at the draft, I mean looking at the draft, the free agency class, there's not a lot out there to to, to be desired. Mm-hmm. So Bridges is definitely going to be someone that I think gets paid. I just don't know how much. Yeah, he's he's a free agent in the right summer. There's no question about that. Yeah. Uh, Alex, good stuff, man. Keep up the great work. It's setting the pace. Come back on soon, yeah, all right? Sure. All right, man. Sounds good. Thanks for bringing me on. And uh, hope you guys do some uh, make some noise here in the playoffs. You know, I'm a fan from afar, even though uh, you know we uh, you guys have my guy PJ Washington. So <laughs> hey, we'll talk this summer. Maybe maybe we can get PJ to Indiana this summer. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. The, it, PJ is the guy that all all of the uh, the vultures opposing uh, fans and podcasts. Uh, everyone's making the hypothetical trades. This, we're on like year two of this being the case with uh, with PJ. I get why he, he's a lot. Of, he's a lot of he's a lot of like opposing fan bases' uh, favorite Hornet. I feel yeah, like. darling. For you sure. know, man, who knows who knows what's going to happen with 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 Charlotte in the, in the playoffs right now, like it's looking pretty bleak, especially without any idea about when Hayward might be back. So we'll see. I mean, I'll, at least they're going to probably hang on to that pick. <laughs> I don't think it's going to be headed to, uh, to Atlanta this year. Um, I don't think so. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. I think you're right.
Well, BG, I will see you at the airport here in about an hour. We're heading to Cancun for the all-star yes, break. And right. uh, Richie, right. will, I think you're coming in tomorrow morning. So look forward to that. And uh, no, no, but seriously, everybody enjoy a few days off. Uh, enjoy LaMelo uh, in the all-star game. Yeah. And that is cool. see, yeah, it is. It is, yeah, you know, by default cool. or whatever. It's, it's, it's good. It's great for the franchise and, so everybody enjoy the time off. Uh, disappointing loss, but we will be back uh, next week, I'm sure, sometime for BG. I'm SP. Go Hornets. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.